here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Rob McCarron. Stephanie McMahon for Best Non-Wrestler. Jeff Hawkins. Stephanie McMahon for Best on Interviews. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. Oh, Stephanie, the love of my life. Nobody is mad enough to choose war whilst there is peace. During times of peace, the sons bury their fathers. But in war, it is the fathers who send their sons to the grave. Herodotus. Today on Shake Them Ropes, the game, the grapefruits, the billionaire princess. You want McMahon's on Raw, you got McMahon's on Raw. We'll talk the dead man, the divas, and Dean Ambrose, plus our top 100 match from Survivor Series 2002, the very first elimination chamber match. Running the whole effing show is Rob McCarron. And Rob, you're doing four podcasts this week. By the end of this week, will you still be a voice of wrestling? Oh, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be great. This voice was made for talking for, for long periods of time and back-to-back-to-back-to-back days. Um, of course, that is a lie. My voice goes usually after a half an hour of this show. Hmm. So uh, I guess we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm going to guest on a couple of things uh, Wednesday and Thursday. We did VOW Live last night. But this this right here, Jeff, is the main event. Shake them ropes. Oh, goody. Goody, goody, goody. You've, you're bringing your fastball today. Yeah, I'm bringing the fastball. I got a couple of, couple of off-speed pitches as well. I got a lot going on. But we have a lot going on to talk about. Um, as you said in our um, pre-production meeting, if you will. Our pre-production meeting, which was two seconds ago, two seconds. literally consisted of the <laughs> following uh, the following banter back and forth. Jeff Hawkins, I have uh, so and so. Rob, let, let's just let's just not do anything. Let's just go for it. Basically, we're just going to wing it today. Today is the <laughs> no rundown show. Yes. So we'll see how this goes. We have roadblock to talk about. Do you know what roadblock is? It is both the G.I. Joe character, the Rock Blade, but it is also the name of the network show coming up on March 12th, correct? It is. WWE Toronto, formerly called March to WrestleMania, is now called WWE Roadblock because it is effectively the March pay-per-view. It is going to be a mm. Saturday night WWE Network special, uh, a glorified house show, really. Uh, it was a live event that's turned into this house uh, house show uh, or this live special now. Uh, ticket prices are a little bit more than the normal house show, but effectively, it's going to be a glorified house show. And the main event was made on Raw last night of Triple H versus Dean Ambrose for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Dean Ambrose, who a couple of weeks later has Brock Lesnar to worry about, and Triple H, who is currently in a program with Roman Reigns. There's a there's a lot to this dynamic with Dean Ambrose and Triple H. Uh, Triple H, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, Brock Lesnar, a lot going on here. But uh, yes, a live special on March 12th with the main event being Triple H defending the world title. Triple H is, uh, aside from the Royal Rumble, 
his first match of the year, and it mm. is not going to be on WrestleMania. It is going to be on this special. Do you worry, Jeff? We'll get into talking about this show. Uh, do you worry that this kind of, you know, brings down the luster, if you will, of WrestleMania? No, because I don't expect Triple H to leave WrestleMania with the title. And it's nice to have a title defense in there. I worry more about the luster of the Dean Ambrose match well, that, after this build. Yeah, that that's the worry. Um, that That is the worry, the luster of Dean Ambrose going up against Brock Lesnar, which the fact that we have Dean Ambrose and Brock Lesnar coming up a couple of weeks later, and the reason why I say this is a glorified house show, I don't think there's any chance in hell that this match ends up being a clean victory for either guy. No. And I sure as hell don't believe Dean Ambrose is going to win. No. So and I you, think, I ahead. think, the, I think the weird build here, and I, I said this in, in, uh, I did the raw report this week for voices of wrestling. And I said, the, it's a dangerous build here. Cause I think Dean's just going to keep getting his butt kicked for the next five weeks. And then when he goes into the Brock match, he's going to take a hellacious beating and it's going to, and they're going to push on commentary that it's all these injuries coming to a hilt. And that's why he couldn't overcome and keep coming back. And I think there's the law of diminishing returns that's in danger here that you watch a guy and the example I used to a lesser extent, they did this with Dolph Ziggler, where you just keep beating on a guy on that upper mid card. That's very over with the fans until they're tired of watching him get beat up. And it's no longer, they're no longer emotionally invested in the character. But there's no way Triple H is losing on this match. They'll tease it, but there's no way he's losing. And there's no way I don't think Dean is at least losing clean yeah, on I, this match. They, they can sell this as a live event special, which it is. And they can sell it as pay-per-view quality, which it won't be. They can sell it that way all they want. They can sell their ticket prices because it's going to be on TV now. Uh, but when you get to the main event and it's Triple H and Dean Ambrose and it ends with Brock Lesnar coming in, um, I mean, hell... Hell, if this even turns into some type of tag team match, because I could see Roman Reigns skipping TV next week and coming back as a surprise on this show. You know, the the Toronto Arena website, the Rico Arena, uh, has Sheamus and Roman Reigns listed as a match happening on this show. Uh, but that was all before this was turned into Roadblock and so forth. So I don't expect that match to actually happen or at least happen on the live event special. Uh, I could see Roman Reigns coming back, helping out Dean from a beating from Triple H and Brock, maybe turning it into a tag match or just being the one who comes in at the end to save it. Uh, but yeah, and Dean Ambrose is going to win by DQ. Triple H and Dean Ambrose will not have a clean finish. Brock Lesnar will get involved because at the end of the day, this show, while it's a cool little idea for being on the network special, is really just another advertisement for WrestleMania. Yes. And, and that's what it's going to be used as. Now, it's a clever idea because... You might be apt to watch this show for the title match, probably more important than your average raw. It's weird because, you know, if the network weren't around a couple of years ago, if they wanted to do this exact same story, they would have Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns or excuse me, Dean Ambrose and Triple H on raw on like the second raw of March and then do the angle. But now they're putting it on the network because you want to sell network subscriptions, but four times as many people at their peak would have seen it on raw versus what mm. are going to see it on the WWE network. Or they would have put it on a Saturday night's main event. Yeah. Type of yeah. Thing. If you, if you go way back, you go way back. Yeah. You go yeah. back to the mid two thousands when they were doing main event 
um, you might get that tag team match. You might get the uh, Brock Triple H, or you may get no uh, no Brock Lesnar at all. But yeah, it's a it's a cool fun event. It's on a Saturday, um, yeah. so I don't know if uh, I'm necessarily going to watch it live, or if even you will watch it live. But it is on a Saturday in Toronto. What is sure to be a hot crowd. I mean, you're going to have AJ yeah. Styles on that show, likely. I mean, he's advertised for it right now, but they are running Atlantic City on the same night. And because Dean Ambrose was supposed to be on that show and is now on this show, we might see some talent get uh, moved around a little bit. But yeah, you got Triple H and Dean Ambrose in the main event for the title. Uh, Roman Reigns likely to appear on the show in some fashion. Brock Lesnar on the show. And uh, AJ Styles, Chris Jericho, a couple of cool names. I mean, it should be a fun, interesting show that I am sure I will watch uh, Sunday morning or Sunday at another uh, at another time and not live. But we we will see if we end up watching it live. Uh, I myself or maybe the both of us mm. will live stream after the show because that is a busy day, Jeff. I mean, not to go too far out of the WWE world. Uh, the New Japan Cup final is that day. Oh, uh, Matt Seidel versus Jay Lethal for the ROH title is that day. Mm. So there are some other things going on on March 12th. That is a big day now with WWE adding the roadblock. Um, they are really they are really all in on this road metaphor to WrestleMania. I mean, you got yeah. fast lane now with a roadblock in the fast lane to the road to WrestleMania. They are all in on this metaphor. <laughs> yes, I'm waiting for rest stop and off ramp. Well, that's that's um, Raw and SmackDown. Yes. Before before we leave this, though, one question. Is it possible, since they're running split crews, that we might see some NXT talent on this card to push the TakeOver special also on WrestleMania weekend? I would uh, I would imagine so. I think Enzo and Cass are actually booked for that show, too. Ooh. So you could see Enzo and Cass versus The Revival, possibly. Mm. You know, put an NXT Tag Team Championship, because The Revival are defending against American Alpha on the special. So if you want to kind of get rid of Enzo and Cass, if they are indeed coming up because they've been working a ton of WWE house shows, if you want to just kind of wrap them up in a bow, you can uh, have them lose to the revival on this uh, on this special. So, yeah, I would I would see some NXT talents on this show. No doubt. I don't know if you're going to see the really big ones like Finn Balor or Bailey, but Enzo and Cass, the revival. Sure. Now, how did you feel about the uh, the Triple H Dean Ambrose interactions throughout Raw? Going back to that, since that was the main storyline, pretty much. Well, it was the main story because you know Roman Reigns is out with his injury, mm-hmm. and the storyline you know took him out. Real life injury played up in storyline. He's out of there, and if you want to get Triple H heat, who's the next best option? Right. And it's Dean Ambrose. But Dean Ambrose has been this character for the last two years, ever since the shield broke up. Dean Ambrose has been the surrogate good guy for when crowds aren't liking Roman Reigns. You know, beat up Dean Ambrose, get heat on the heel, and then Roman shows up. It's just the shield formula now in a singles role. Yeah, I agree. I I, I had an issue, of course, with smarmy Triple H. He has this style in his promos where he somewhat breaks the fourth wall about the guy he's in the ring with that totally undercuts him in a way, like the skinny fat comment on CM Punk. And in this case, it was, are you really, are you really insane or is that just shtick and you need to wash your clothes? And I'm just like, there are other ways to do this. And Dean shouldn't be standing in the ring taking that if he really is unstable. <laughs> he should punch him in the mouth. Um, 
I have, I'll make a gentleman's bet with you that in the lead up to the show on the 12th, I guess on raw, that at some point Dean Ambrose in a promo says, I respect you Hunter. That because that's the formula here. It is um, always the formula. Yeah. Dean Ambrose will be cutting his wild man promo and all of a sudden, you know, I, and I, I respect your game Hunter. I respect. Yeah. You. Yeah. Um, but also it's weird. Cause I think Dean out of everybody else is able to handle that and still focus back as a performer because even to the point where he was milking stuff and kind of getting a, a physical cue from triple H to go to his next line. He never really lost. It didn't throw him off the lines that triple H was giving him in any way. And he still has the charisma to overcome those types of things. Whereas other performers in the past haven't like say Booker T or uh, Daniel Bryan in some aspect. Uh, so it's it's a testament to Dean and how good he is at this kind of character that those types of comments don't hurt him too much. But as a as a performer, I watch it and I go, oh, there are other ways to do this, um, to do this kind of criticism of a guy without breaking that fourth wall between fans and and believability. Now another big promo on here was Stephanie McMahon. And the Vincent J. McMahon Legacy of Excellence Award. I absolutely loved the first half of this promo, um, especially the the taking the award and cuddling it like a child, as if the legacy is her baby. It was important and to her. Yeah, it, yeah. I loved that that call, and I loved her not being able to get to her her uh, prepared remarks. Just legacy and family legacy and family and repeating that over and over and just not being able to get now i think you and i disagree slightly the second half of this promo kind of went downhill because it didn't feel earned to me the anger yet she could have built to it a little bit better but the first half of this promo i'm not a stephanie fan as i've mentioned here quite a few times but best promo i've ever seen her do i think and best acting job i've ever seen her do what about you yeah she's the best (laughs) <laughs> probably, probably of all time. I mean, she's clearly the best McMahon on the microphone. Clearly. And I'm counting Hunter, too. She's the I best. I would say that. I would say that. I mean. And I'm, I'm not being facetious here. I mean, a, she's. That's a low bar, though. <laughs> yeah, no, Vince. Vince has the the uh, presence and the character. But I mean, as far as actually speaking on the microphone. Oh, he's so overdramatic. And so han- he's he's Al Pacino. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Stephanie, Al Pacino. Yeah. Stephanie has the emotions and she just, she just drills at home. But I no, I thought the, uh, I thought the anger was earned. I mean, let's face it. This was her second week in a row trying to get this speech out and she was proud of her victory. Like this wasn't just someone handing her a meaningless trophy. This was someone giving her the legacy of excellence award. This was, she was taking it seriously as she should. And, uh, I, I loved it. I, I thought the, the anger was there. The fire was there. You know, she was poignant. I don't know what any of this, you know, matters. I mean, this was supposed to get over the Shane McMahon Undertaker match. This was supposed to get over Triple H beating up Roman Reigns. I mean, Stephanie McMahon doesn't have a match at WrestleMania. It feels a bit like a false flag, doesn't it? Like uh, I wouldn't even you'd say put, so. you'd, put, you'd put her out there to do something to make you think one thing and then go the other way. Because you're right, it doesn't, in context, and we'll get to this when we get to the Vince promo, in context, it doesn't make that much sense other than 
Stephanie is out here to accept the award that she didn't have time to do last week. So it pushes the story in that way. I can understand that is the logical thinking here. But in terms of forwarding the story, it really didn't. Yeah, well, you have Shane McMahon versus The Undertaker, which is going to be a big match. Um, I'm slightly more leaning to the fact that it might actually happen. I'm still I'm still probably 60-40 that John Cena is going to come back and actually wrestle Undertaker. Uh, hmm. I'm still 60-40, because, and I can make the case for it, too, that Undertaker threatens, you know, Vince McMahon, I'm going to kill your son, and, and Vince has this, you know, I'm going to disown my son. Um, okay, let's go into this. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, the Stephanie thing there is too. I mean, you have Stephanie McMahon on TV to cut a promo uh, because Shane's not there. So you want to advance at least the McMahon story. Then you have Vince and the Undertaker. Undertaker comes back. Um, I want to talk about Undertaker's motivations because that's a talking point that I'm seeing out there. Is yeah. Why is Undertaker really motivated to wrestle Shane McMahon? But then you have Vince McMahon who is now disowning his son, which, you know, you just you just sent him into the hell in the cell with the Undertaker. If this were real, you would think, okay, my son's going to die, so I have to, you know, get this over with. I'm disowning him so that it doesn't mean anything when he is murdered by The Undertaker. Oh, he just cut a promo about how much he loved his son, and then all of a sudden, well, I'm going to disown him afterwards. I'm like, well, that could have yeah. waited a week. That could have waited a week when Shane's back and he does something to piss off Vince to the point where he goes, all right, fine. If you lose, I'm also disowning you, and you get nothing. It could have been better if it happened after Shane McMahon pulled one over on Vince and put yeah. John Cena in the match. Yeah. Like that, I, I gave you the chance to fight for yourself and you don't like a McMahon fight for yourself. You put John Cena in there. I'm disowning you. Cause you're not like me. <laughs> yeah. As I, as I kind of put it, I'm like, all right. Undertaker comes out. He speaks less in less time than it took him to get into the ring. Shortened to the point. Great. Liked it. Don't know the motivation, but. Still, I liked it up to the point, and then Vince started talking again. I'm like, this doesn't need a button. This well, was fine as it was. Well, let me talk about it didn't need a button. You're right. I, I was stunned when Undertaker's music hit and he walked out. I was changing the channel. And then when you I, hear the voice clearing, you're just like, oh, no. Yeah, and then I flip no. back, and I'm like, I flip back really quickly, and I'm like, he, he's still in the ring talking. Did my DVR go back? What happened here? Um, but, you know, he, he kept talking, disowned the sun, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the Undertaker's motivation is an interesting issue because regularly I would say, okay, his motivation is the fact that he was booked by his boss in a match. Right. But this is WrestleMania, right? I mean, WrestleMania should mean a little bit more than that. You're not just booking matches together at WrestleMania. WrestleMania is the big one. You need kind of a story in almost every single match on the show. And this one here is pretty one-sided. It's a one-sided story about Shane and the undertaker is just the monster under the bed. Who's going to come and get Shane. Right. We don't, and, we don't know why the monster is attacking Shane. He just is. Yeah, but to your point, and you can somehow fold it into your theory here, is The Undertaker has never been that guy that just blindly does the authority or Vince's bidding, really. As a character, he's always been kind of above that. He's always been above the office politics aspect of storylines. Well, okay. Whereas, whereas but, but, but let me finish here. Go ahead. But if they do your theory here, it works if Undertaker aligns with Shane and John Cena has always been a company guy. And even though he doesn't like Vince, he would begrudgingly do it to keep the status quo in some way. Undertaker 
Well, in this instance is yes. He's not necessarily backing the authority. I mean, he's threatening Vince. I'm going to kill your son if you really want me to wrestle him. I mean, his motivation is to wrestle at WrestleMania. Right. He's, he's done this before. He's He's gone into matches just because with guys. I mean, he basically did the bidding of Triple H. Triple H wanting to be Undertaker to get revenge for HBK. What's Undertaker's Every, motivation? Yeah. You know, yeah, I, you I know beat what? HBK. I'm just going to do it because it's a match at WrestleMania. Undertaker has not in the last several years had much of a reason no. to have matches. And then they kind of build stories around that. Like they will probably do here. I mean, the CM Punk match, CM Punk, you're when CM Punk got the match with undertaker, it was the authority making a four way and the winner just gets the undertaker. Yeah, no, you're right. It's kind of, they, they, they undertake someone calls out the undertaker and then he shows up. Yeah. Undertaker so, just kind yeah. of waits for a mania opponent. And when one presents itself, then he's like, all right, let's go. Although it would seem to me he'd come in and go, this is kind of beneath me, don't you think? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if it would be necessarily beneath him. You could you could go that way. But another issue is, and so this is why I'm mostly fine with the Undertaker's motivation argument. Because, okay. because Undertaker just kind of works WrestleMania and yeah. his opponent shows himself in some form or the other. Because this is not the first time that Undertaker has had a, a match made by the authority and just done it. He's done that exact thing before in the CM Punk case. Uh, and then once CM Punk wins the four-way, then they build the story. You know, CM Punk disgraces the memory of Paul Bearer, and now you have a little bit of heat and motivation for The Undertaker to actually kill him, uh, which is what we'll probably see with Shane, uh, which is what we might see with John Cena. Because again, 60-40, I'm thinking John Cena versus Undertaker is the uh, semi-main in Hell in a Cell. Uh, I mean, John Cena's posted new Instagram pics of him lifting his heaviest weights ever. And John Cena can do a lot of things. I don't think that in one month he won't be able to wrestle at WrestleMania. So you, that, that could happen. Would they, they've announced the match. You think they'd just switch it out here without yeah. Oh, anything? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Huh? Okay. I would think something would have to happen at roadblock to get Shane out of it. Well, maybe John Cena returns at roadblock. I don't know. I'm thinking that would more likely happen on a raw or some case, but we are a month out. I mean, how many right. raws do we still have left Four, three or four? Four. four. Yeah. Four. So, I mean, there's plenty of time. I, I don't, I think it's, I think the reason why I give it 40% is yes, they've announced the match. They've done two weeks now. Of Shane McMahon, you know, Shane McMahon is posting, you know, videos online of him working out three times a day. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> is it is it going to happen? Sure, maybe. But you got John Cena there. John Cena and Undertaker was the match they wanted. So there are ways you can put John Cena in that match. And it wouldn't necessarily... And there's been pay-per-views all over the history of WWE where they book important matches one or two weeks out. Yes. So them adding John Cena to this one wouldn't be a surprise to me. Uh, it's just kind of an additional step, if you will except the stip is the opponent for the undertaker. Uh, but I would not be, I would not be surprised. I am in fact anticipating it happening that John Cena will wrestle the undertaker. We have Dean Ambrose versus Brock. I mean, once we get through this roadblock stuff, we have uh -huh. Dean Ambrose versus Brock for mania. We have the hell in the cell match and we have the main event, Roman Reigns, triple H. If triple H is still the champion, I should say, <laughs> Uh, one other match we're likely to have, it looks like, is the Divas triple threat between Becky, Sasha, 
and Charlotte. How interesting was it to you that on Raw, the Raw writing team watching NXT TV lately, yeah, stealing the exact same storyline between Samoa Joe and Sami Zayn by doing a double pin. How did you feel about the double pin spot itself? Uh, it was not the most well thought out match because basically, you know, Becky, of course, is knocked out because she takes a sunset flip bomb from the top rope. Right. Sasha is knocked out because her head goes a little bit too far up front. No, and she knocks herself out on. No, what? No, it's due to the blows to the head she took on the top turnbuckle. That's why. Okay, but she, okay, okay. so she lands and all of a sudden, oh, knocked yes. out. Yes, yeah, I, I get that. It, it was not the most well-executed spot, it if you good will. On, it looked good on paper, I bet. And it's one of those things that doesn't work in reality. Now, the match itself, I, you know, I thought Becky looked great here. Sasha was a little was about half a second off, I think, at times. But this match, the crowd hated it, and I didn't get that at all because it seemed like a decent match to me. Not anything spectacular, but, you know, they're booing the finish, and then all of a sudden they realize what's going on and start chanting triple threat. But I didn't understand the animus the crowd had for this match at all. But, well, may, but that might be my Becky-Sasha bias, and it might just be the contrived pin spots at the beginning as well, not being terribly authentic, but most of their divas matches have started that way. So I, you know, I, I was at a kind of a loss for words watching the reaction of the crowd there. Well, yeah, we were watching them jump the gun. Like a lot of fans are prone to do, but we were watching the, you know, the in real life manifestation of jumping the gun because they're not even letting a story be told here. They see that finish and start right. booing it. And then five seconds later, they're like, Oh, we shouldn't be doing that. They're going to give us this triple threat. Well, that's clever. Oh, so you think you think they they had already anticipated the ending before it even started? No, not necessarily. I think they were booing. I don't know why they were booing the match or why there was a negative reaction to the match itself. Uh, that's just a weird reaction. They're in they're in Nashville, which has gotten some NXT shows before. Uh, so I would think there might be a more positive reaction to Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks, but when that actual finish happened and it was a little bit quiet for it. And then the negative reaction slowly bubbling up until they realized a triple threat might happen. Uh, it was just the crowd jumping the gun a little bit. And yeah, during the match too, I mean, let things play out a little, um, maybe on SmackDown, we'll get a different reaction. Cause you know, we're taping the show right now. It's, it's a little after six on the East coast on Tuesday. Uh, SmackDown is going to going to be taped here in an hour or so. And you have Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks again, for the number one contendership. I, do you think they're going to give us a winner? Are they going to fully recreate the Sami Zayn, Samoa Joe story and actually give us one winner to go wrestle Charlotte at WrestleMania? Or will this be the triple threat? Will it actually be a triple threat match with all three of them? I think it's going to be a triple threat. I think we're probably getting a double count out here just to save the, the blowback of a double pin spot. It's another way to get them out or maybe even a double DQ of some sort. Um, I'm kind of stoked for Morrow calling this match. Yeah, yeah. I, I am, and I'd, I'd love to see Morrow call the triple threat at WrestleMania, to be honest with you. I think his kind of passion for the product, especially reading his tweets on NXT at, during this time period, I, I think he'd be an asset to, to the show, but I, I just can't see them doing that. Uh, but I, I just I think it has to be a triple threat. Right there, there's no way to get around that. Both women have looked 
you know, competent as a number one contender here. Because what do you do with the loser? You put them in that multi-person schmoz. It's going to end up with like Lana and Bree and Summer Rae and and Paige. Yeah, if there if there is one. Yeah, but that's true too. I, I know. I would. I would think a triple threat is going to happen too. Um, it's a good story. It's it's fun how they've had Charlotte basically control this entire thing on the mic, like making matches and announcing matches, uh, so that you don't have Stephanie out there doing it. So you don't have Triple yeah. H out there doing it. Obviously, Vince and Triple H are kind of busy right now, uh, so they've kept Stephanie out of it because Stephanie would be cheered if she booked a triple threat match. I mean, a triple threat I think is what fans want to see. So they have Charlotte out there, kind of controlling the pace. There's a part of me, a very small part of me, that thinks this might be a fatal four-way, and they might get Bailey involved and do double duty as well on that weekend. Now, a small part. On one hand, I just argued the fact that there's plenty of time until WrestleMania to change stuff up with the John right. Cena Hell in a Cell. Right. I'm going to be hypocrite Rob now <laughs> and say there is not enough time to kind of shoehorn Bailey into this. I don't, I don't think Bailey's coming in for this at all. I think Bailey might show up the next night, be like, okay, you beat two of the other four horsewomen, oh, but you that, haven't beat me. Yes, that's the safe money. I can, I, that's what I honestly think is going to happen. I've beaten everybody in the division who's left. Bailey's music hits comes out. But at the same time, if they go to like a double count out, double pin finish, and there's no clear uh, contender, and Charlotte cuts this promo, look, nobody can win. Nobody's worthy of this. There is a small percentage, and it's very tiny. It's infinitesimal, in fact, that Bailey, they do, they do a re redo of the Fatal 4-Way from NXT, and Bailey gets a nice WrestleMania entrance with a lot of the balloon guys, and, and, all, and that visual is nice. But overall, I still think triple threat for the most part. Yeah, triple threat uh, for sure. I don't, uh, I don't see Bailey in it, but I like the idea that Bailey would show up the next night because I would think, and you know, we don't have to make predictions now by any means. No, plenty of time. Um, I think Oscar's going to beat Bailey at Takeover for the for the diva for the women's championship in NXT, and I think Bailey's up on Raw the you know the next night after WrestleMania. I think she's coming. Yeah, there's nothing left for her to do down there. There's just nothing left for her to do. Let it go to Asuka. Let her feud with Eva Marie, Emma, Dana Brooke, Nia Jax. There's plenty of women down there. Time to bring Bailey up and see what you can do on the main roster. Uh, what did, I don't know what to make of Lana. I mean, it certainly seems like they are pushing Lana to become an in-ring wrestler and yeah. her first feud being with Brie Bella, but like Brie Bella's on her way out. Lana hasn't been training and she just, just now returns to TV uh, they're not going to push for a Rusev versus Daniel Bryan match. That whole thing with Lana last night was not necessarily surprising, but weird. I agree. And I think it's mostly, I mean, watching it, I kind of go, well, you're not going to get a one-on-one -on -one with Brie and Lana. I just don't see that based on what we've been told about Lana's training and how it stopped and how when she was training, actually, it wasn't really catching on. But I could see her in a battle royal because she doesn't have to do that much. But but a one-on-one -on -one feud here, I, I just don't see it. I think it's just to get another woman involved to have enough to be in a ring with, you know, five or six other women. I, I just, I, I cannot see a one-on-one, -on -one, especially with Brie, who 
Bless her heart. <laughs> she she looks like she's shot in the abdomen after every move. <laughs> and it's like I th- it was funny because I thought she she was gone and oh she's back and they're building a feud. Huh. So much for the babies. Okay. Yeah, this this whole this episode of Raw, man, was just there was some good stuff, but it was super weird. I mean, next yes. week we, Alberto Del Rio and Dean Ambrose in the main event of the show. Alberto Del Rio is one of these guys who's, you know, he just came back a few months ago, and now he is just kind of there. And it didn't take very long. We've been talking about this for two months almost that Alberto Del Rio has just kind of been there and. If Roman Reigns wins the title at WrestleMania and Triple H goes away and Brock Lesnar isn't around and Dean Ambrose gets beat by Triple H and Brock Lesnar, maybe maybe Dean Ambrose wins. Maybe Dean Ambrose will be the first title opponent for Roman Reigns. But I kind of have this, you know, post WrestleMania is a time where you just you just give someone who's not really quite on the top tier the championship match just to get a title challenger or a title winner a little get me over time, you know, Daniel Bryan, his first program after the winning the title was with Kane. Kane wasn't going to win the championship. It was just, just something for Daniel Bryan to do. I could see Alberto Del Rio being just something for Roman Reigns to do. And right now, a month earlier, he's just kind of there. I mean, I don't know who else is going to be Roman Reigns first title challenger. If it's not someone like an Alberto Del Rio, you know, maybe Sheamus should, should Alberto Del Rio be doing more on raw these days? He should be away from Callisto and they're rebuilding that feud, which has been going on for two months. That's the most inexplicable part. I'd love to see Del Rio move on to another feud, but they have him in this holding pattern with Callisto and the U S championship. And you're just like, all right, I thought we had settled that issue over the past two months. Now he's back there. And I figured he's going to be in some multi-man thing there. And then the elite, the league of nations is going to be Seamus and Rusev. But yeah, they're they're building the League of Nations as the B heels, the kind of the thugs for Triple H to go out and do his dirty work. So I figure that's going to be the next feuds for basically anybody in the upper tier of faces is going to be League of Nations guys. I'm stunned this League of Nations thing is still around. Yeah. They're just four guys. You know, social outcasts are around. League of Nations are around. When they started making everyone a group, I thought they might actually do something with everyone being a group, but not really. They have no personality as a group whatsoever. Yeah, even social outcasts. They Social outcasts are outdoing them in almost every way, except mm-hmm. for level of matches they're getting on Raw. Uh, but yeah, League of Nations are just four you know, former main eventers in, in most cases, not so much with Wade Barrett. Um, I guess it'll have to end at some point. If Wade Barrett is actually going to leave in the summer, the League of Nations has at least some type of expiration date. And thank God Kevin Owens was sick that week on Raw and not put in there. Yeah. Best. Well, he's now in a feud with the big show, even though that's, he's been that's doing fine. okay with himself. It, you know what? It hasn't been that bad. I don't think he, he's think the intercontinental champion. The he story is, of the match last night was perfect. I thought. Yeah, I I like you know, Kevin Owens in the big show, they're main eventing house shows. In fact, on the March 12th date, I believe they're the main event of the Atlantic city house show opposite the Toronto show, Kevin Owens in the big show with Roman reigns out with John Cena out Kevin Owens, who some people still think is getting buried. I don't know how you could think that Kevin Owens is main eventing house shows. 
He is the guy on the B house shows and he's got the title. He's going to have a match on the WrestleMania main card. Most likely, you know, 95% he's going to be on there unless they decide to put the intercontinental championship on the kickoff show, which would normally surprise me. But you know, we just had Alberto Del Rio and Callisto in a best of three falls on a pre-show. So who knows what they're going to do with the WrestleMania kickoff show. But Kevin Owens is a guy that's been pretty important. Maybe, maybe he's the guy who should be the first challenger for Roman Reigns. Would love that. Would absolutely love that feud, to be honest with you. Because yeah, I, I, I think I think Kevin can handle the spotlight. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, a lot of inexplicable things. Speaking of the social outcasts, we had the rebirth of the Ryback, which <laughs> I, weird is the only word I can put it. Because I don't know if people should like him or hate him. What do you think? Well, do we need to know that right now yet? I mean, let the people decide what they think about Ryback. You know, he's going in against the social outcast. That doesn't mean much of anything. Um, well, the I don't, promos aren't even all that clear, which is kind of. You need clear promos. You need to at it, least get it, get something over. It's not, it's not something that the WWE does very often where you're kind of muddled about, all right. Where does this guy stand? But Rob, it is time. Is it? For Shake Them Ropes Theater. Oh, Shake Them Ropes Theater. Shake Them Ropes Theater presents Zion We of Z Ryback. I am Z Ryback. Who am I? I am not to face, yet not quite to hear. Not a beast, yet not a man. Not a girl, not yet a woman. I am hungry, Robert of the McCarran clan. Hungry for the brass ring. But I am in these glass box with a ceiling of glass. I must break it, yet I feel this glass. The people, they can see right through me. But I am not an animal like that in the zoo. I am the Ryback. Feed me more. Alexa Bliss, what do you think about the Ryback? Hey, guys. I thought that was really deep and philosophical. Alexa Bliss, you're never going to win the women's championship, okay? I'm hot. <laughs> yes, I am. I have a can-do spirit. All right, that's enough of that. That was Shake Them Ropes <laughs> yes, Theater, <it> everybody. <laughs> Shake Them Ropes Theater. I, you know, Ryback's a reader. He's a philosophical guy, and he was saying all that stuff last week, and then this week it's kind of the same. So I'm like, great, let's let's go into that philosophical brute. Yeah, <laughs> why not? I just love that I made you a Highlander for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why you're doing much of anything these days. Oh, I just felt goofy for some reason. All right, sure. I mean, Robert, Robert of the McCarran clan. Listen, whatever helps you. Whatever helps you. It helps me get through some of the weirder parts of WWE. Good. I'm and glad. the only other weirder part is the uh, the 30 seconds of Dolph Ziggler we got. 30 seconds of Dolph Ziggler losing to uh, The Miz. <laughs> the Miz, the big uh, rebuilding project, the reclamation project of uh, The Miz. Is that a man who needs rebuilding? Um, Sure, why not? Why, why can't you just rebuild guys? 
I guess, but nah, Mrs. Days are probably kind of over. I mean, he's just he's there to be a good sport. He's got some cachet built. He's a presence, and he has yeah. presence, and he has timing, and he's a pretty good actor. I'd you know this is a guy I'd make a manager if we had managers still, but and he can take a bump as a manager. So I mean, I just found that whole thing especially clean. He didn't even grab the tights. That was the weird thing. I was like, wow. Okay. Well, how many intercontinental title matches does Dolph Ziggler have to lose before he's, yeah. you know, down the ladder again? Oh, he's already down the ladder. <laughs> and I can see, you know, if they're going to have AJ Styles on the show and the Miz is booked for that show in Toronto, uh, you might do the Miz and AJ Styles. Mm. If, if you don't have Chris Jericho wrestle as the tag team. And next week on Raw, we're getting Shane McMahon back. Yes. We're also getting AJ Styles and Chris Jericho against the New Day for the tag team titles. Yes. Chris Jericho and AJ. Is it possible they're going to go into WrestleMania with those two as a tag team? And who knows? Maybe even the tag team champions. No. I actually think next week they break up. I think I think AJ blows it somehow and Chris Jericho gets angry at him because Jericho's gotten the win the past two weeks while AJ has kind of made the save to cover the pin type thing. He's been the the face in peril, made the hot tag to Jericho and Jericho always comes out on top. They reverse the formula. AJ gets the hot tag, but somehow distraction finish or, or what have you blows the tag team title chance and Chris Jericho gets angry. I think that's what it is. I'm, I'm hoping they don't do, you know, it is possible they make them the tag champs. It's possible they make them the tag champs who don't like each other. Those are both on the table. Those are both in WWE canon. Yeah, like in your in your idea here, AJ Styles, you know, messes something up. Chris Jericho still somehow gets the win. And now they're, you know, Tommy Dreamer and Raven where yeah. they were feuding. Then they came together. And now they're the tag team champions. Matt Hardy and again. It, yeah, Matt Hardy and MVP. Yeah, yeah so... If you could do that, you go into WrestleMania. Um, seems like a little uh, a little waste, maybe, you could say, of the New Day, who have been the tag team champions for so long. The story just kind of shifts to AJ and Chris Jericho. They're Teflon, though. You could, have, you could have the AJ and Chris Jericho tag team last only for these few weeks. They break up on Raw, and then they are two members of an Intercontinental Championship multi-person match. Because right. I don't know if they really want to do or if I really want to see AJ and Chris Jericho again in a singles match at WrestleMania. Correct. And I also think they're still building the New Day League of Nations. Yeah. Feud. So they're, I think they're going to go they're, that way. They're building the New Day versus the Elite feud. <laughs> Man, everybody wants that except the guy in charge, probably. I mean, it's it's interesting and everybody's game for it. But, you know, it's... You're you're a Montague and we're a Capulet. <laughs> we can't come together on anything. Coming to you at WrestleMania 33 <laughs> weekend. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus uh, yeah, Young Bucks are signed to too many places right now to be uh, wrestling for WWE. It's not going to happen, but that's an interesting kind of uh, internet feud they have going on right now with Kenny Omega and the Bucks. Very the new day. Uh, so what happens with the tag team titles? Who knows. Uh, we're probably going to get some type of multi-team thing going at WrestleMania because you still have the Dudley boys and the Usos. There's a yeah. lot of stuff going on right now. 
in WWE storyline wise, they're giving stories to almost everything happening on the show, which is another piece of ammo. Those who want an undertaker motive are saying like you give a story and background to almost everything else that's going on, but not the undertaker, your semi main of the show. Yeah. So I can understand the, the negativity towards undertakers motivation. But uh, like I said before, I am, uh, I am okay with it. Uh, what are any other big hot topics of WWE before we get into our match of the week? Just one I wanted to comment on the Go Hall of Fame it. selection. It is all four members, all four, mm-hmm. I believe all four, right? Of the fabulous yeah, Freebirds. Well, it depends on what you consider a Freebird and what you don't consider a Freebird. Well, that, w- that, all, and that matters, w- all that matters is what WWE considers the Freebirds, and they they consider it those four. Correct. And I have, I know a lot of people don't consider the late 80s, early 90s WCW run with Garvin, Hayes, and occasionally Gordy Cannon for Freebirds. But I also think Garvin deserves inclusion with this because basically anytime the Freebirds had a feud with the Von Ericks in world class, the first ally that they always bring in, Jimmy Garvin. So I have absolutely no issue with this. I know. I, I I heard one prominent wrestling journalist who doesn't seem to like Jimmy Garvin. Um, I think Jimmy Garvin's undervalued as a performer. I think not necessarily in the work rate department, but if you watch this stuff on the network as a mid card heel and a mid card face always knew how to get o- way over with a crowd. I mean, that tower of doom match in WCW was about precious and Jimmy Garvin and the fans ate it up, ate that story up. He's I I'm happy with Jim for Jimmy Garvin. I I'm, I'm one of those people that views the WWE hall of fame as a positive because it celebrates wrestling, even though it's not, you know, Oh, it hurts the purity of what hall of fames are. And you know, I, I, I like being inclusive. I'm I'm happy they didn't put say Rocky King as little Richard Marley or Brad bad street Armstrong or Iceman King Parsons, who was officially a free bird for a little bit as the black bird in world class. I, I love all those performers to death, but to me, Jimmy Garvin was always linked with the free birds, even if he wasn't ever an official free bird in world class, but was in WCW, you know, I don't need big daddy dink in there either, but you know, I I'm, I'm a fan of Jimmy Garvin. I think he and, uh, I think he'll be moved by the ceremony, just judging by all the WWE video stuff I've seen him in. And he and Hayes has another partner up there to work off of, as opposed to having to be overcome by two friends who have passed on. Yeah. So your Hall of Fame class right now is Sting, the Godfather, and then the free birds of Michael Hayes, Buddy Roberts, Terry Gordy, and Jimmy Garvin. So that is your uh, current um, Hall of Fame class. Any chance that you see Jacqueline going in this year? Yes. Because there have been rumors about that. It I've seems, heard that uh, rumor as well. And I think I think they always pick a woman, and I think you know she's as good of a pick as anyone. Yeah. You got Booker T there who can induct her, and you have uh, Jacqueline going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's an interesting class. Um, I don't know if I'm sold on it. It feels like it's lacking a little something, doesn't it? I think... Yeah, maybe it's because Sting had just been a recent performer, and sometimes on these Hall of yeah. Fames you get guys who have kind of been away for a while, and they come back and do their Hall of Fame speech. But uh, could you see them calling an audible here and inducting a Daniel Bryan? I really just don't. I just don't see them inducting Daniel Bryan right now. Okay. I'll save it for next year. 
but you could. Is there anyone big that's lacking? I, oh no, I've 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 heard Elizabeth, but I well, don't think she's big enough to, to. I mean, to headline a big enough headline. She's no she's no headliner. No, I mean, no, your headliner I, this year is Sting. Even if Daniel, the only one that can top Sting right now as a headliner, Undertaker. If you did, I'm talking about realistic options. Okay. Well, I thought that'd be realistic because he's from Texas. I don't think Undertaker is a realistic option right now because when you go in the Hall of Fame, that's basically saying your career is over and they haven't done that with Undertaker yet. So I don't see him going in this year one bit. So of the realistic options, no, Daniel Bryan's probably the only one who can be a headliner over Sting and I don't think they're going to do that because you need headliners the next year and the year after. Because maybe Undertaker doesn't even go in next year. Maybe Undertaker keeps going as long as humanly possible. So, yeah, you'll save Daniel Bryan uh, for that one. And then uh, put him in the same year they put the Bellas in. <laughs> Let's talk about people who really deserve the Hall of Fame nod. The Bellas. Thank you. Uh, we have our top 100 match. Our top 100 matches on WWE Network to see before you die. The list that came out a year ago. We are running through it right now. Match number 43 this week is the Elimination Chamber match, the first ever Elimination Chamber from Survivor Series 2002. Shawn Michaels' second match back from his back injury. Triple H defending the big gold belt that he was hand-delivered from Eric Bischoff. Yes. Uh, the Elimination Chamber match. Let me ask you this first, and maybe you, uh, maybe you saw this in your research of this match. This was the first ever one in 2002. All right. 14 years ago. Do you have an estimate on how many elimination chamber matches there have been in WWE? 17. And it blew me away. It blew me away that this took place 14 years ago. It, yeah, it's 19 is the correct. Oh, answer. it's 19. I thought it was 17. My fault. 19 is the correct answer on elimination chamber matches. Um, yeah, because you got uh, you got the ones that happened on the non-pay-per-view era. Remember the Elimination Chamber show this year featured the two Elimination Chamber matches. So you had some on non-pay-per-views, uh, including that uh, that uh, great one in ECW, the Bobby Lashley <laughs> one. So quite the history for the Elimination Chamber. Sometimes you that forget was- just how many there have been. But yeah, we're going to talk about the first one here in 2002. Yeah, before we do that, this is far and away the best, I think. Of the Elimination Chambers, correct? There, In your estimation? It was really good. And you usually get really good ones early on because you get to use all the ideas and none of the ideas have been used before. Right. But now, I think is, there oh, have been some really good ones since then. I, I can't name them off the top of my head, but there have been a few that I've really liked. So uh, the first one's great, and we'll explain why. I was going to ask you what your favorite was, if you had to pick one. I mean, most memorable ones. I mean, I... I remember not liking the Goldberg one at all. Right. Um, I I like this first one. Shawn Michaels moment. The ending sequence with Shawn Michaels and Triple H was fantastic. Um, I remember, you know, the one where Edge comes in and, right. he, and he wrestles. He wasn't supposed to be in the match. He takes out Santino and all of a sudden Edge wins it. Uh, there have been some fun moments in them. Uh, as far as a favorite, there's just so many guys in there. And now there's 19 of these matches that I can't go back and say, okay, this chamber at so-and-so pay-per-view was my favorite one. I maybe none of them have blown my mind as much as, as much as some other matches have, but I'm far more prone to remember a really good singles match or even a really good tag team match 
than a match with six guys in it where it's it's the same thing every time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's wrestle, 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 spot off of the chamber, and then a win. Yeah, I for some reason, I have a very fond memory of the one with MVP and Fit Finley. <laughs> Just because they were such weird choices at the time. And they were kind of undervalued at the time, but they made it work. And I loved the MVP character. I can't remember which one that is, but um, this is an interesting time capsule. The stuff I was doing research on, I was trying to find out, and I don't have access to the Wrestling Observer archives at this time, and I didn't have a lot of time at work to, say, search my Google groups and other things that I would use as a resource. I was wondering if Eric Bischoff legitimately came up with this idea because I seem to recall this was his baby in some ways. Or at least that he contributed heavily to pitching this idea. Yeah, I, I'll look okay. it up. I'll look it up. You keep going. Okay, because the, the, the idea here is it combines way, elements. Way to throw something in there without telling me beforehand that I, I, we could actually research. Well, you know, show prep. That's what <laughs> you said. We'll just do it on the fly. This uh, this is the downfall of the no show prep, isn't it? Not like we I do just, show I, prep all that often anyway. No, 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 but I, I'm I, going. I, I'm going to find it here. I'm oh, also. You, I'm also going to get you. Um, the 2008 No Way Out is the one with MVP and Fit Finley. There were two. Okay. Uh, there were two. Uh, it was a SmackDown ECW chamber, and then the Raw chamber. Um, I'm going to find information about that one too. But continue with Shawn Michaels' return. No, I, I I have memories that this was supposed to include elements of a Survivor Series match because it was at Survivor Series, kind of a Royal Rumble and also a War Games, but that and that War Games would had been originally pitched in some way and form, but they didn't want to use War Games, of course, because it was someone else's intellectual property and someone else's idea, so they came up with this match. Now things that stand out to me especially in this match is this is the triple H and HBK show in every good and bad way possible. Um, there's a spot early in the, well, even before we get to the match H Terry Runnels is a backstage reporter at this time, her best role ever. And she goes to interview Shawn Michaels and Shawn Michaels is totally clowning Terry as we go into this interview, not taking it seriously, just kind of trying to make her break. It's obvious there's going to be no repercussions for him. And then it breaks into one of your favorite segments ever, a Randy News Network. Oh, I love the Randy <laughs> News Network. I love Randy. I, I really wish he would be doing that right now, too. It would it would get the crowd behind him again on a return. I mean, it's, it's kind of a playback on something he used to do. I would love a Randy News Network right now. I, it's amazing how they're not doing it. Uh, HBK wrestles this match in cowboy boots. Oh, he, not only not only cowboy boots, but the ugliest pair of brown <laughs> tights. Brown tights ever. like Chuck Taylor. <laughs> Worse. Oh God, no, he was ridiculous. And he had this is when he didn't have the really long hair or the ponytail. Oh, yeah. It was just the kind of mid mid cut, almost like a Dutch boy type of cut and you're just like what is that hairstyle right now what's it supposed to be yeah this guy wasn't breaking any hearts at, at survivor series 2002 no and then triple h in this match triple, h, triple h by the way hmm? the creator of the elimination chamber 
Okay. Triple H. Eric Bischoff admits it was Triple H. Triple H has said in interviews that it was his idea. Triple H, the creator of the Elimination Chamber. Oh, I stand corrected, but he was also one of the guys pushing for war games, I believe, at one time as well. well what probably scenes. happened. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it motivates you. Like, if I can't get war games, well, if the whole thing is Vince doesn't want to give me war games because it's not his idea or it's not our property to begin with, then I'll create something that can be our property yeah. because I want to get this match type out there. I want to get something involved in it. Um, quick note, the 2008 No Way Out show, the MVP Fit Finley match, Dave Meltzer rated it at two and three quarter stars. <laughs> I don't know. I just had a fond memory of it as Finley and, and MVP, I think, over overproducing in the match. I think that's probably where the fondness comes yes. from. But Triple H in this match was, I mean, this guy was a beast. Yeah, he was also... He survived death. Yeah, the, the open cage door well, part. No, I mean, the Rob Van Dam knee almost crushing his body. Oh, God. This is, this is the match that where he suffered the broken sternum, and he was out of breath for 15 minutes before finally recovering. RVD hits the frog splash from atop one of the chambers, and Triple H is so close to the corner that Rob Van Dan kind of hits him with his knee. And Triple H is taken out, basically. Like, he's, he's shriveling in a corner for the next 10 to 15 minutes, almost dying as everyone wrestles around him. Uh, but yeah, Triple H, I mean, a hero, once he catches his breath, goes about 15 more minutes, including 10 minutes solo with Shawn Michaels. Uh, Triple H was a beast, a hero. Yeah. Let, it, let's it, cheer it, him at WrestleMania. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it's weird because watching him, I know that they have the spot where he gets thrown into the door and the door latch opens and he's hanging on for dear life. <laughs> that one, it's like scary. And then from then on, He's kind of taking liberties with Rob Van Dam in this match a little bit because instead of throwing him into the chain link, kind of uh, fearing that the panel may break in some way, he's throwing him into those connector beams <laughs> straight into the back. And I'm just like, oh, man, no wonder Van Dam's in pain this entire time. And of course, Van Dam's agreeing to do acrobatic spots on a metal grating that has no give. This 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 match... I'm glad it's not in between Royal Rumble and Mania any longer because it would just kill guys when they're getting slammed on this steel. And I'm like, why would you take those bumps? But, you know, it makes for an interesting match. But trying to do acrobatic stuff like jumping up and down and doing flips is is insane. I I think one of the other here is that this, this is one of the better Chris Jericho performances in WWE. I think in terms of being just a brash heel kind of working with triple H the entire time, I really enjoyed Jericho in this match quite a bit. And he was motivated because he's back in the main event scene. I mean, earlier in the year, he was the world champion and then kind of got kicked to the curb a little bit. So here he is back and yeah, he looked great. He eliminated two of the guys. Uh, Chris Jericho was looking like a star in this one. Rob Van Dam had a pretty good run in this match too. Uh, probably not the best for his career that he almost killed triple H. <laughs> no, Kane was Kane. Kane and Kane and, was Kane and Kane was, you know, this is 2002. So we're talking 14 years ago, Kane, where he was still, you know, a beast. He was Booker, Booker T didn't quite get his due. And then Booker T was match, there. In my opinion. Yeah. He was just yeah. there to kind of be fed to triple H. And it's amazing too, how he looked probably the weakest in this match when eventually he was the guy to face, you know, triple H at WrestleMania the next year. Yeah. That's just, right. which was just, you know, five months away. 
But we're cool. kind of in the we're kind of in the aftermath of the whole invasion angle as well. So I mean, still well, not we're, not we're a too... year out from the invasion angle. Yeah, but there's still residual stuff from it. <laughs> I I love this show because this is the night that Scott Steiner redebuted. Yeah, I watched that as well. <laughs> I I I go back and watch that moment every every so often. Scott Steiner coming up. This is also the match where Rico Constantino is constantly yelling at Jeff Hardy to do stuff. Yeah. And and I I watched that match before fast forwarding to here. I, Rico, who's like 42 or 43 at this point. Yeah, he, you know, he brought it in that match. I mean, he was he was motivated and trying to get Jeff to be on the same page. Yeah, he was bringing it. He was uh he was bringing it quite a bit. Um the Elimination Chamber match, I love. I mean, once you get uh these days with Elimination Chamber matches, you get a lot of quick pinfalls and yeah. sometimes at the end you have the two guys remaining and maybe there was a spot where the third guy out, you know, costs the last man, the match or, or you just have pinfall, pinfall, boom, boom. Uh, once we got the final el- eliminations, Chris, like you said, Chris Jericho looked really good. Uh, Rob Van Dam was the first one out. Booker T was the second one out. Kane was the third one out. So you really had Chris Jericho, triple H and Shawn Michaels in there towards the end. You had effectively, about 18 minutes of those three guys wrestling. Oh yeah. So you had a long, I mean, almost an entire match of just those three guys. Chris Jericho goes out at the half hour mark. And then you got 10 minutes of Shawn Michaels Mm -hmm. and triple H, you know, HBK had just come back at SummerSlam a couple of months prior. So these were really, yeah, these were really the two guys who were heaviest in this world title story. And they wrestled a great match. Triple H, basically saved himself after that injury to make sure that he could go for the final 10 minutes and he could, he caught his breath. It was a great match. The final minute with the crowd going absolutely unglued for Shawn Michaels countering the pedigree and hitting that super kick. Uh, This was a fantastic moment. I watched this show on pay-per-view through scramble vision. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So I remember listening basically to this show, hoping every so often the scrambled up picture would look clear enough for just a moment that I could actually see what's going on. Uh, But yeah, this, this was a fun show to watch. This was a fun match went by super quick for being 40 minutes long, Uh, went by pretty quickly for me. I was enthralled the entire time and HBK pulls it out. He doesn't remain champion for very long. Triple H gets it back, but this match was fantastic. It is worthwhile going out to see, and it is in WWE land historically significant because it was the first ever elimination chamber. Right. And you know, we can, go, you can go back a few weeks and listen to our review of the SummerSlam match between Shawn Michaels and triple H. And we had high praise for that as well. Yeah. The problem with the elimination chamber is, is once you get past some of the shocking spots, it's hard to top those now, you know, like Jericho going through the, quote unquote bulletproof glass uh rob van dam getting torn through a, a chamber in the beginning you know it, we, we've gotten to the point where callisto is hanging from the top of the, the damn chamber waiting for guys to get in position so you can do something spectacular it's just hard to top it every year it, it's one of those you should bring it out when it's needed when you have a lot of guys feuding over something i liked the idea of the tag team elimination chamber last year i thought that was clever throw in something different just to kind of change it up just Mm -hmm. a little bit yeah Mm -hmm. i I like that i'd Uh, i'd I'd avoid these spots on the great though like the plague (laughs) yeah i mean cm punk still probably has those scars to kind of 
kind of show that. He had great marks all over his back, didn't he? Oh yeah. Oh, the back of the leg, the back, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Oh, it was it was crazy. Our our match next week on oh, Shake hyped. Them Ropes. So hyped. WrestleMania 19, the main event. Kurt Angle Kurt versus Angle. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. That's right. The uh the shooting star fail that shocked the world. The main event, Kurt Angle wrestling this match with a broken freaking neck. The main event of WrestleMania 19 will be our match next week on Shake Them Ropes. Before we go, though, at Shake Them Ropes is the Twitter handle. We have a couple of questions. A couple of questions from the listeners. McDara Conroy asks, what are the chances of the winner of Ambrose Brock at Mania being added to the main event? Meaning the main event of Reigns and Triple H. Do you think the winner of Ambrose Brock in some storyline here over the next couple of weeks ends up being added to the main event, making the main event of the show a three-way dance. There's always the possibility, but, and I could see them doing that if they've lost a little bit of faith in Roman carrying the match, but I hope they don't because it's going to the well once too often, especially after last year's WrestleMania where Seth cashes in you just had a triple threat at fast lane. You know, you have these triple, th- you've had a triple threat at WrestleMania with Daniel Bryan. I think a one-on-one match is the call here, but they could always add the winner of that match in. The correct answer is zero, zero percent that the main event is a triple threat match. I'd go five to 10. Ryan on Twitter asks besides Shane, besides Shane been a quiet road to WrestleMania. What about The Rock? What about Stone Cold? A slow build won't put 100,000 butts in AT&T Stadium. Um, It's been an interesting build to WrestleMania. We have the big matches already. We have the main event. We have Brock and Dean Ambrose. And we have Shane McMahon and The Undertaker, which could turn into Cena. I'm still holding out that hope. Um, So the next few weeks will really get uh, solidified the undercard of the show. And we'll get more story for the main event matches. Uh, but let's take this part of the question. What do you think The Rock's going to do? What do you think Steve Austin might do? Because both are confirmed for WrestleMania. Will they be in anything more than just what they were in WrestleMania 30 and actually have some type of role? No, because he'd overshadow whatever they're in. They're there to talk, and I don't see them as a draw, as a talking uh, head necessarily. If they were performing and they were at their prime, this is where nostalgia gets the better of us, and we want to see them back as they were. You're not going to get that, especially with the rocks movie career and the insurance kind of putting the kibosh on it. And Austin just can't go no matter how much we want that one last match. He doesn't, he has a high standard for himself. He doesn't want to be a guy doing a Hogan type match where you run into my fist. He wants to actually be able to steal the show, so to speak. So zero chance they do anything other than some sort of in-ring promo. In-ring promo for The Rock and Steve Austin. So you don't buy the uh, the fact that we might get Rock as a special ref for the Triple H match. Um, I You know where he could go is the Undertaker Maybe an enforcer. Match. I don't Under- see him in the main event. I, you can't do that in the main event, I don't think. I think you have to have Roman out there on his own because anything else overshadows him. Yeah. Yeah. I could see Rock as a special referee in the Shane match. Something involved with Shane McMahon, maybe, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Shane McMahon. Because that's going to be bells and whistles and smoke and mirrors all the way. 
So yeah, I could see him in that capacity. But doing something physical would probably void his insurance of some way, unless he had some sort of argument or really good way around it where he could convince people that, hey, I'm definitely not getting hurt. Because you can't guarantee that even on the simplest of moves. This has been Shake Them Ropes, episode 137. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Downcast, and much more. Follow Jeff on Twitter at CrapGame13. Follow me on Twitter at ShakeThemRopes. Get all the show information and our live stream schedule. Jeff, another successful week of pro graps. Yeah, and plug your uh, other two appearances this week. Nope, that's okay. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.